Hey buddies, you thinking of starting your own podcast? Why not use Anchor? It's the easiest way to make a podcast, and here's why. First off, it's free. Secondly, you have creation tools to record and edit right from your phone or computer. Third, Anchor distributes for you. You can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and more. Fourth, make money with no minimum listenership. And finally, you have everything you need for a podcast all in one place. So what are you waiting for? Download the free Anchor app today or go to anchor.fm to get started. Gentlemen, please welcome the founder and host of BuddyCast, Nick Sorensen. Woohoo! So, what do you think of hearing your own song? <laughs> well, you never get used to hearing your own voice, but uh, it turned out good. It turned out good. <laughs> yes. A greeting to all of my buddies joining us here tonight. I'm your host, Nick Sorensen. You already know that. But joining me today, if you liked what you just heard, we'll meet the creator of the song, our buddy Tommy. How you doing tonight, buddy? I'm good. How about you? I'm fantastic. Thank you for joining us. I feel I feel bad it took so long for me to wake up and go, why haven't I had the creator of my theme song on my show yet? You know? Not at all. Not at all. You have so many other people, so many other people from interesting walks of life, you know. Mm -hmm. uh, and I wasn't planning on going anywhere anytime soon. So as long as it took, uh, I'm just happy to be here now. Oh, we're happy to have you. We're happy. And I got to say, just I got to say this on live stream. Your song has gotten so many comments. Just the I had the voice of Bowser from Mario on the show. And he's like, <laughs> that was awesome. Like he was he was dancing <laughs> at the beginning and everything. And it, it gives people that warm-up feeling. Like, it gives them a minute to just go, like, this isn't going to be an interrogating show. Like, this, this, it's just going to be a nice, calm chat with me and a buddy. So, Perfect. thank you a million. I'm glad that uh, we are mission accomplished for us, you know? And if uh, yes. anybody needs a theme song out there, hit me up. It was a fun project. It's my first time writing a theme song. But uh, I had a lot of fun doing it. So, nice. Absolutely. Yes, definitely hit him. Take your buddy's advice and definitely hit him up. You won't be disappointed. I remember when you and me were collaborating on that. We were like, I the night before I was talking with Matt Bullen about it, and like we were bouncing ideas back and forth, and we're both like, no, I don't know, no. Nah, nah. So then he calls you up. He's like, let me call a buddy up. He calls you. Up, you play the first two notes, and I'm like, that's it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well. I, uh, I feel like you did a real good job of, of laying down what you wanted. And uh, Matt, me and Matt go way back as far as yeah. um, in, in the music scene. So we've known each other for a long time. And uh, I appreciate that he, that he, uh, I got the phone call from him. Mm -hmm. uh, we, got, we got a good notion of each other's uh, styles of music and things like that. And uh, yeah. uh, both are very unique writers and very different performers. Mm -hmm. So... Uh, no, I, I appreciated it. 
And I think he had the wherewithal and the good sense to know this maybe wasn't the project for him and somebody else mm -hmm. could, uh, could take a, a more accurate swing at it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So let's talk about that real quick. How far back do you and Matt Bolin go back? So we actually were in high school together, though we didn't know each other really well. I, we were aware of each other. He was a year ahead of me. Uh -huh. um, he was actually pretty similar to how he is today. He was, uh, he was very brazen and very uh, outspoken. And I was just a big, lanky, uh, shy guy just trying to get through school with my head down. So mm -hmm. I was pretty intimidated by him as like somebody who's like, oh, I got it for that guy. He's a, he's a live wire. <laughs> and then um, it wasn't until years later, because he, he has been playing music longer than I have. He, he was already pretty much going with his band by the time he got out of high school. Uh, I had only just started taking guitar lessons at 16 and didn't really start playing out and about until I would say my early 20s. And then mm -hmm. I was able to go to the bars and the open mics and things like that. And that's kind of where we reconnected because he hosts, he's always been a great host and he has hosted many open mics at different places. Uh, wow. And that's where I really got to know him. He used to host an open mic back at the Presque Isle Gallery Coffee Shop, which I believe now is Crazy Oven Pizza. That's down by Presque Isle near Sarah's. Mm -hmm. That place used to be a coffee shop. He used to run an open mic there. And then he ran uh, the Crooked Eye open mic, which is now McCoy's on State Street. Uh, that was a Sunday night thing he did with Dom DiCecco and a couple of other local musicians as well. And those were two that I frequented frequented regularly when I was uh, kind of starting out and getting my songwriting shoes on and, uh, and trying to get established. Mm -hmm. So that's where we started hitting it off. And I've just been uh, close friends ever since. Nice. Nice. Yeah. Now let's talk about that. You know, you getting started, you started taking lessons when you were 16. When did you truly find your passion? Like, when did you realize this is something you want to do with your life? Uh, so yeah, I started taking lessons at 16. I had, uh, my mother had forced me and all of my siblings to take piano lessons when we were real little and we all hated it, but it was the best thing for us. And so mm -hmm. you know, we apologized to her profusely now as adults, <laughs> but cause yeah, I mean, it, it's, it, it was great for when I picked up guitar already knowing how to like read music and stuff. So I took guitar lessons when I was 16, um, and enjoyed it and got a knack for it and went on to learn all the Bob Dylan and Tom Petty songs that I could. And then um, when it really became something where I knew I wanted to do it for the rest of my life, I believe I was 19. It was my first summer back from college. And my high school, my old high school, McDowell, there were some kids who were putting on a charity event to help raise money for uh, uh senior at the high school who had medical issues. They were raising money for the family for medical bills. And I was back in town. I was, they were looking for just musical acts and things like that to do a big show to help raise money. And I signed up for it. And to this day, it's still probably one of the biggest crowds I've ever played in front of because they, they had quite a big turnout for that. A lot of people came out for the high school. And it was the first time I was playing that kind of setting where it was, I mean, it was in the theater, it was on the stage, the big lights were on, so you can't see the audience, but you know they're there and you know there's a lot of people there and everybody's quiet. And so it's just you 
and you play and you play to the to the you know big lights and the empty void behind them and then you finish playing and the applause comes in and i'll tell you what i have not felt anything like that in my and so that was a special kind of high getting that first theater applause at age 19 and that's that was the night where i was just like yeah i think i'm going to be doing this for the rest of my life because I don't think there's a drug in the world that feels better than than that experience. <laughs> That's awesome. Now you mentioned learning Bob Dylan songs. You mentioned learning like Tom Petty. Who are some of yeah. your musical role models? So those two were really big. Uh, even before that, um, Billy Joel, I would say, was the first songwriter that I really latched onto. Uh, though I was not a very good piano player. And his song, when you try to switch a piano player's songs to a guitar, sometimes piano players will use chord changes that can be kind of complicated for somebody, especially when they're just starting out on guitar. So um, when I started learning guitar, other singer-songwriters who I was really getting into, Bob Dylan, Tom Petty, uh, Simon and Garfunkel, The Beatles, a lot of the 60s and 70s music that my parents had turned me on to that did like that folk acoustic kind of stuff. Carol King was a big one, um, but it was a lot, a lot of that kind of stuff. Jim Croce, hmm. uh, Bob Dylan and Tom Petty were especially those kind of artists that would do, uh, as the, the terminology goes, three chords and the truth where the, the music part is pretty simplistic when you break it down and then it's just a lot of words. Uh, and I became very good at memorizing words pretty quick. Nice, nice. So now, like I said in the beginning, everyone loves the theme song. Everyone loves, you know, the art theme. How, when you and me, for the, for the audience sake, when you and me were collaborating, how did you think, hey, these two chords or these notes or whatever would be the perfect fit? Like. Walk us through that process, if you remember. Like, well, uh, really, for a project like that, I usually I haven't I haven't done very many instances where I've collaborated with other people on writing something, whether it's another <laughs> songwriter or something like this, where where I'm just hired out. But um, when that goes on, I usually do try to start with words and and go backwards to fit them. Uh, and it seemed like a really smart thing to do for something like a theme song because, you know, it's not going to be a full length song. It's going to be something that's pretty concise. And um, if you get the words down, I feel like then it's pretty easy to try to figure out how you want them to fit into a line. And, uh, you know, you described it well. You, you know, you, you got across what you were looking for. You wanted something that was pretty upbeat, uh, up-tempo, and, uh, yeah, something that you could kind of bop around to. Mm -hmm. um, and so, I don't know, I, I, I couldn't tell you particularly where the melody came from. It was just kind of, you gave me an idea what you wanted with the words and the rhyme scheme. And it just kind of fell into place, almost a little bit like limerick, like a limerick style, a little bit. Mm -hmm. So you would say, like, once you find, like, when it's ever a moment of, like, when someone asks you, do you find it easier to write the tune or, like, write the lyrics? You would definitely say, like, 
you can write the lyrics and then the tune falls into place in most cases or or is it the opposite yes. you, you start with a tune and then you just start collaborating with words or is it like a 50 50 in that case it's a little i would say what's getting closer to 50 50. it used to be i would just do a lot of writing in general uh, and i would often write lyrics out and then try to figure out excuse me try to figure out a melody or uh the chord progression to go with it and then change things as needed um on rare occasions i'll find uh, a hook or a little lick or a chord change that i like and flesh that out and then try to figure out the words that i want to go with it um but for quite a while and most of my songwriting career for the past decade or so, I would say lyrics have always been where I start. <laughs> so that's awesome. Yeah. I'm like, I always ask that cause like, there's always that songwriter that's like, I definitely can write a tune or something. And then the words are just, or like, I know the words in my head or kind of like Bernie and Elton, for example, you know, yeah. here's Bernie who can make up lyrics like a poet or something. And here's Elton who just takes a look at it and, plays one note on the piano and is like, well, there it is, you know? Yeah, that's right. That's right. Mm -hmm. So now it's time to promote you a little bit. Do you have any upcoming gigs or any upcoming like uh, projects that you can let us in on or things like that? You know? Sure. sure. Uh, I do have a lot of gigs. My most, uh, the, the one coming up most recently or well, that will be this weekend is, let me double check it. So this Saturday I am playing in Edinburgh uh, at the Sunset Grill. That's going to be 6.30 to 9.30. I usually Ooh. play there about once a month throughout the summer, but for anybody who's never been, it's beautiful. It's right on Edinburgh Lake. Uh, whenever the weather cooperates, you get beautiful sunsets. You just, you know, it's just one of the best outdoor places that you could go to, to have a drink, get some food, and enjoy some live music. Nice. Nice. And do you also, I also saw when we were talking in the beginning, you have a new album that you just released. Okay. <laughs> um, so Grow just came out beginning of last month. Ooh. So there's that. Yeah. Tell us about that a little bit. Yeah. So this has been a project I've been working on. Uh, I'd say I started working on it last fall, maybe last summer. But um it's been a very exciting prog process. Uh, it is the first album that I have released where I have done all the recording myself, which uh, will bring us back to Matt Boland because my album before this one, Matt, Matt Boland produced for me. He's been getting into recording himself and others. And uh, he's been doing that I've, quite a while now, maybe five years, but in his learning process, he has taught me a lot and this album has been my journey into kind of like what we were talking about with writing the the theme song. I've always had an issue working with other producers where I'm not very good at telling them what I want. Uh, and that's been a big struggle for me with recording with other people because I never want to be wasting other people's time. Or I, and I often feel that way when I'm doing all these uh, takes or all these different versions of songs and I'm just able to be like, well, I don't really like how it turned out, but I don't know what I didn't like about it, or I don't know what I want to do instead. And so then what happens is either things don't get done 
or you kind of make compromises and then when the song's done and you have the record out, you're kind of like, oh, but I don't like it and I should have done it differently. I just couldn't think of it at the time. So for this album, for Grow, uh, since it was only me working on it and I didn't have to worry about scheduling with anybody else, it was at my own, my own pace, I really got the opportunity to uh, get it the way I wanted to. I recorded some songs and then didn't touch them for a while and uh, went back and did them completely differently. Or some songs I cut out uh, completely from the original list and I wrote new songs that I thought fit better with the other ones. And uh, yeah, when it was all said and done, I was just really satisfied and it's felt like a really big accomplishment. And thankfully other people have said they've enjoyed it so far, uh, who I think are being honest with me. So it doesn't seem like it's just me patting myself on the back, which is always <laughs> comforting. Yes, yes, absolutely. Where can we find the album? Where can we, if anyone wants to listen? So for all you modern people, it is streaming pretty much everywhere. I know it's on Spotify, it's on iTunes, it's on, um, I don't, I know there's a bunch of other streaming platforms, uh, though I don't know many of them by name, but it is streaming just about everywhere you can stream music. And for physical copies, I bring them to all of my shows, of course, and the physical copies go for $5. Or you can send me a message on any social media platform, uh, send me a message and we can always work something out. I've mailed plenty of them out through Venmo. Um, if you if you're a hard copy person, you know, I still love listening to CDs in the car. So I, I always mm -hmm. like getting CDs printed. It's nice having the physical copy. Yeah, absolutely. It's just like it's just like owning a record, you know? You exactly. Know, you exactly. I would love to get records printed, but those are <laughs> steep. I won't lie. It costs quite a lot of money to get those made. So someday yeah. when I'm feeling a little bit more uh, financially able. <laughs> yeah. Hey, when you get when you get a vinyl printed out, I'm a big vinyl guy. So. Send me, send me the note and I will I will definitely I will definitely be one of your first customers. So sounds good. I don't like making a good comeback, you know? Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. A lot of uh a lot of I've seen a lot of modern artists who will do that before they'll do CDs. And it's just mm -hmm. like I get it. They're cool, yeah. you know? Yeah, like the new McCartney three, you know? That was yeah. a big in vinyl, everything like record stores almost couldn't keep that on the shelf. <laughs> even Bruce yeah. has left them. Even Bruce is, and uh, Bruce and Elton, you know, my two favorites, have left some. You know, have always said like, "I want this to go to vinyl. I want this to be on vinyl right now." So right, right, and especially yeah, you. I, I can picture that with the people who have been around uh, longer and you know grew up with it, and their you know all their first albums come out that way. And though I feel like you're seeing a lot of the younger artists too, who who are you know yeah. jumping on board with the resurgence of it. Yeah, I like that's what I like a lot too because then it gives them it's like a mix of history and modern, yeah, like you said, you know, here are the yes. people that have done it their whole life, but then here are the people that say, I've always, you know, my parents grew up listening to this stuff, or like, you know, people joked around, like you saw it in TV, people would joke around, Grandpa, what's this black frisbee or something? <laughs> Don't do that, you know, yeah, exactly. Well, and there's also too, I think it's a big, uh, it's uh, the artwork and album covers were such a big thing because obviously visual media has come such a long way. And, you know, now everything's online from music videos to artwork from album covers and everything. 
but there's something to be said because you know again with even with something as small as the cd you know i loved the uh the album cover picture was done by my good friend riley Pranat. she's an excellent uh photographer who's done a couple of photo shoots for me uh and it's great because you know the 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 records, the old records, would have all the liner notes and all the fun little details that any of the artists would want to do. And, you know, with the CDs, you get to do a little bit. You know, you can't see it all that well there, but you get to do a little bit. You get the the track listing on the back, and it's. I think it's really fun to get to do that stuff, and I think that's yeah. part of the uh, part of the nostalgia appeal of the record is that you get to do all the little things that come with it, and then mm-hmm. depending, and it it reaches out to a different level of fan. Of somebody who just wants more than the music, but a piece of the art and a piece, a piece of, of the, yeah. the kind of behind the scenes stuff that comes with it that the yes. artist gets to put in. Yes, you're absolutely right. And I think like what you just mentioned, you know, that's like a mini album. That's a mini like, you know, CDs are mini records. Like they're, mini, you know, yeah. you, you still get all the experience. Like you still get the album cover. You still get the set list. on these. It's just a smaller version. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, buddy, I got to ask you, in your own words, what does it mean to be someone's buddy? Hmm. So let's see. To be somebody's buddy, somebody's buddy. That's fun to say. <laughs> well, I, uh, obviously being there when you can is always big. And um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I guess it's kind of something I take for granted more often than not, but uh, just knowing when to be there. And um, I think it goes sort of in two ways with, uh, okay, so here's a good example. A lot of my friends in this day and age are also musicians. And mm-hmm. something I see often in the music scene on social media is sometimes people like to give other people a hard time for that the music the music community needs to support its, each other better. And uh, see, that always kind of gets me a little bit because I understand where they're coming from, but I sincerely miss how often I would get to go out and see my friends play music. You know, that's something that, that you, you unfortunately trade off when you become sort of more involved in music business and you are playing out more and become a little bit more successful at booking gigs. When I started, the community felt, I felt so in touch with the community because we were, I was going to the same open mics every week. I was seeing the same people and getting to know their music. And then I was seeing new people as I got a little bit older. And, you know, then it felt like I knew exactly what people meant. Of like, yeah, the community, and we all got to be a part of it. And then uh, once you get busy and once you start playing all the time, it's just like, oh my gosh, I haven't seen... Matt Bolton play in a month. I haven't seen my friend Brooke Surgeoner play forever. Claire Stachinsky, Dom DiCecco. And it's like, these were people I used to see once a week. And now, you know, I'll be lucky if I get to see them play once a month. Uh, and I think to me, that's the kind of thing, because I love nothing more when I have a night off is being able to go out to a bar I like and often by myself, because then I don't have to worry about conversation. I can just sit and watch somebody I love whose music I love and I get to watch him play. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, but I would never assume, you know, I would never say, well, I come to your show, so you need to come to my shows because it's like, absolutely not. You don't know what somebody's life is. 
Mm-hmm. And uh, when you're when one of your jobs is to go out and play, a lot of times, myself included, it can be hard on a night that you don't have to play to go out to a bar because that's what you've been doing on your regular nights. Yes. So to me, as a musician who has a lot of very close musician friends, uh, I feel like a big part of being a buddy is being there for other people when you can, but also that there being that understanding of of just like, I'm sorry, I haven't been able to see you play in a while. It is nothing personal and I would love nothing more to have that time. And uh, I think when you have that understanding with people, that's really, that's really kind of what it's all about. Yes, you're absolutely right. Just being a buddy, being supportive, being there for them no matter what, you know, and being understanding too, like you said, you know, just because yeah. you go to their gigs, hey, it doesn't mean they're not blowing you off or something. It doesn't mean like they're like saying, oh, yeah, forget that or something. Could just be, hey, I had something really important tonight that I had to attend to or something came up last minute that I was going to your thing and then I got a phone call and just had to make a quick U-turn. And by the time Absolutely. It was done, by the time it was done, you would have been, you would have had like three songs left by the time I would have gotten there or something, you know? That's so. right. Some people have families and kids. Some people have jobs where they work long hours and, you know, musicians, every musician I've met lives a different lifestyle. Uh, whether they're doing it for fun, whether they're doing it as their primary job, everybody's got a different way they hustle. And, mm-hmm. you know, the best way to be supportive is to, uh, support when you can and not not uh, hold high expectations for something in return because that's that can't be what it's all about. Exactly. Now, part of being a buddy is being a charitable buddy. So mm-hmm. if you could have our audience donate to one charity of your choice, what would it be and why? Um, I think personally, really any of the, the homeless shelters. Um, yeah, of all the things, when this question was posed, I, I had thought about it for a minute. Um, it's just something to me that seems like, I don't know, I guess it's just something that I imagine would be very, very, very difficult to kind of break out of. Um, you know, I personally, I've lived a very nice life up to this point um, and have been very comfortable and so I can't imagine what it would mean to try to pull yourself out of a situation where you don't have somewhere to call your own at the end of the day, where you don't have somewhere where you can get a good night's sleep, where you can have a shower, where you have your own space and your own privacy. Uh, and that's always something that, that sticks with me. So, yeah, if I was to suggest any charity, really anything uh, that has to do with supporting the homeless uh, the shelters that take them in and everything like that. Mm-hmm. And you're absolutely right on that. You never know what you have, especially like when you don't have it, you know, like you go to college for a few months, you move out of your parents, you know, you move away from your parents and you come back and you just like, you come back for the weekend and you're like, you know, your mom's making the easiest meal possible. And you're like, you don't know how much I've missed this food or something. Like, you don't know how much I've missed food that hasn't come from a can or something like that. You know, yes. think of people that live like that on a day-to-day basis. Yeah, just exactly. Like, so you are absolutely right. Now, we're also running this new campaign on BuddyCast. I'm calling it Be a Buddy, Not a Bully. Mm. So 
Hey, what are your thoughts on that? And B, how do you support that message? Like, how do you, what do you have to say on that message? Like, how can we be more like rather than be more, you know, rather than being bullies? Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, obviously I think sometimes it's, it's kind of cut and dry and, uh, it's uh, with the internet culture and cancel culture. I know a lot of people kind of are on the op opposite sides of, oh, well, you just need to not get offended so easily. Um, and then on the other side of people ganging up on somebody for saying something offensive. And then, you know, people being like, well, is that an overreaction? Is it a misunderstanding? Did this person really deserve to be uh, come down upon and each of those situations is different and unique. Uh, so with the online stuff, it's definitely hard to navigate though. I would say the biggest thing is, uh, on a personal level, I guess sort of tone. I think it makes a big difference to not try to talk to somebody in a way where you're, what am I trying to say here? Try, not trying to make somebody feel like they're doing something stupid. Because I think a lot of times when people say things that are offensive, unless they're trying to be deliberately offensive, I think it's usually because they actually don't know something. Whether it's a, there's a term that they're not familiar with or they don't realize a term might have an inappropriate meaning that it didn't used to. Uh, I think it's really important to approach correcting somebody or trying to teach somebody so something in a way that isn't accusatory, uh, that is honest. So that way the person at least has a chance to say, oh my gosh, I'm sorry, I didn't know that. Thank mm -hmm. you. You know, because as soon as one person gets accusatory, another person can get defensive and that's when it can go back and forth uh, yeah. And leave people to uh, say, well, I'm going to be offensive deliberately, whether I want to or not, because I made uh, a simple mistake. And then, you know, there were, people came down so hard. Mm -hmm. You know, I don't think there's anything wrong with addressing when somebody says something uh, offensive. I certainly think, you know, that those conversations need to happen more often than not, as opposed to us just ignoring it. But I think tone is a, is a very big thing in, uh, in trying to, to give people the benefit of the doubt when you correct them or address something they said. Exactly. And you're, you're right about that because, like, you know, you know me, I'm a little person. The one word I don't like is, the, is what we call the M word, midget. You know, just right. because now it's been used against me. Like, it hasn't been, like, you know, like, used in a way of, like, oh, I, like, Nine out of ten times, it hasn't been used in a way of like, hey, you know, like, hey, look, it's a M word, you know, and then right. them actually just saying it in a sincere way, like as if they're talking in a historical way. It's yes. been used. As, look at that! Look at that! Look at that! You know, yes. as if yes. intention to call you out to make you feel like you are being pointed out of a crowd for something you have no control over. So just their exactly. intention and their tone too, you know. Oh, it's a little M word, you know, like that's when it becomes like something. And I have had those cases, like you said, I have had those cases where I have um, been in, you know, I've corrected someone immediately. Hey, that 
term is really offensive. Oh my God, I, I'm so sorry. I, I, I had no idea. You know, right. it's like that term, you know, the term midget was created in the PT or is coined in the PT Barnum era. So mm-hmm. to me, that feels like someone's going, step right up, step right up, you know? Exactly. Yeah. When I'm just trying to live my day to day life, like I'm just trying to move along with my life. I'm not trying to cause any trouble. I'm not trying to, you know, start any fight or anything. But at the same time, I know I stand out wherever I go. Like I'm not. You know, I'm not that guy. Oh, I'm a little person. I wasn't aware. Thanks for letting me know. You know, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But now, buddy, it's coming to what we call the ultimate buddy cast buddy question. Are you ready for this? Ready. All righty. For anyone out there who wants to become a musician, what is your advice to them? Uh, get to it. <laughs> Uh, uh, serious. No, I, I meet a lot of people, both older and somewhat younger than me, who think it's too late. And I, I, I don't think there's any reality to that. Um, because it, it's something that you can completely control what you want to do with it. And obviously, it's something you have to practice, you know, regularly to, to get to a certain thing, to a certain level. But once you get to that level where, oh, this is from my experience, okay? To do what I do of the singer, songwriter, play guitar and sing. Once you get to a certain level of uh, the chord changes and things like that, and you're able to sing one song, you're able to sing a hundred songs, you know? Because if you know four chords and you know how to sing a song, I guarantee you there's at least a hundred songs out there that you probably have heard before that you are also able to sing. And music in general can be such a beautiful thing. I mean, we listen to it everywhere we go. And Mm -hmm. if you have any interest in making it yourself, don't hesitate. Whatever whatever the instrument is, whatever style of music you want to learn, worst case scenario is you spend some money on some lessons and you find out it's not for you. But then at least you did it. Mm-hmm. You at least had the experience. You at least, yeah. You at least tried. It's you it. can, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's something mm-hmm. you can totally make your own, and you can take it as far as you want or not as far as you want. So mm-hmm. my advice to anybody who's interested is to start tomorrow. First thing. Sounds great. Well, buddy, thank you so so much for being a buddy on BuddyCast. Thank you a million for the theme song. We love it here. <laughs> it makes it helps. Bring that buddy-like environment. And if I could ask you one favor before we end this show, go be someone's buddy today. Can do. To all my buddies out there, this is my buddy, Tommy Link. Thank you again so much for everything. And we will catch you all next time here on BuddyCast. Well, the days are going fast Buddy, buddy, we've got to make them last Buddy, buddy, before they've all gone past Buddy, buddy, tune in to Buddy Cast Don't feel like it can make it, buddy Here on Buddy Cast